Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, to join, joined today by Saragon. So let's get into the first story of today, and this is the ongoing municipal workers' strike in Tuane. The strike has been declared illegal a while ago, um, and despite uh, this and the city promising to fire workers who are involved, in fact, I believe a significant number have already been laid off, um, the strike seems to continue. Uh, with major problems, uh, violence, as we've seen in many strikes across the country. Um, the, the municipality says that it believes that people connected to the strike are behind the torching of trucks, infrastructure, and the shooting of an employee of the city. Uh, and the dispute is over a wage uh, a wage increase that was not included in the budget. The union, uh, Samu, says that they are owed this money, that they were promised it back in 2021. The city of Tawana says they simply don't have the money to to afford this this raise right now, uh, as we know, the city of Tawana is in significant financial duress, uh, and therefore they're not going to grant it. Uh, I saw the city today saying that it's adopting a no work, no pace uh, strategy, and it's not going to it's going to try and uh, break the strike. In fact, the mayor of Tawana, Silius Brink, went even further to say that it was no longer a labour dispute, but large scale criminal assault on the municipality and its assets. Uh, so, yeah, that doesn't sound too great. And it's interesting. This is a lot of similarities, I think, to the taxi strike that went on in Cape Town, where we mm -hmm. saw a situation where a non-ANC municipal government was facing off with um, a well-organized uh, group that was using, at least, in, or at least was connected to various types of violence and intimidation. Sara, what do you make of this story? Yeah, it is. It 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 has it has uh, similarities in the sense that look, Samu's always been a, a, a tricky union. Whenever it's been involved in strikes, there's usually been considerable damage and uh, and violence. So it's not unusual. It's it's, it's in Samu's armory. Let's put it that way. Um, also, I mean, look, obviously, no fun not getting. A, a, a salary increase, but you know we are in desperate times, and in the private sector, a lot of people, if not the majority, have not seen much, if anything, in the way of salary increases in recent times. And you know what, you do have to break the back of the thing. It's unlawful. There is violence, and it's the violence alone, not so much the unlawfulness. But if it goes on for long enough, they are the unlawfulness becomes you know, justified by dismissal. Uh, but certainly anyone who's who's uh, guilty of the violence and the attacks, definitely, you, you, you know, that's, that's, that's absolutely without question. And uh, lastly, the uh, work, no work, no pay, that is the golden rule of strikes. I mean, the government, I think, on occasion has paid people while they're striking, which is completely against their own interests. But that's that's part of the pressure, is that, while they're putting pressure on you for not delivering, not being able to deliver services, you're putting pressure on them by not having income. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a war of attrition, literally. And we're really seeing, I think, here the kind of corrupting influence of the tripartite alliance. Because, I mean, we don't entirely know uh, all of the reasons that Samu is behind is engaging in the strike, but it's very easy for the city of Twainet to say, and I think they probably are going to say this, that this has got a political dimension to it that this is a deliberate attempt to sabotage the city. Um, and, you know, when you have a union that's in literally alliance with a different political party, a political party that happens to be in opposition at the time, uh, it really does seem like the, uh, the the political incentives, shall we say, are a bit perverse for the mm -hmm. strike to take on a dimension that has got very little to do actually with pay, 
which as we've covered on a previous episode of The Daily Friend, is actually not that bad for City of Tawani workers. Um, and instead take on this political aspect where this is hurting ordinary citizens and is really just about power. Mm. Any final thoughts? And, and look, the, the political element will uh, go up one notch because the EFF has promised to protest against the dismissals, and we know how the EFF protests. So the, the, uh, the city council had better sort of gird its loins. Indeed, it's not over yet, and it may become yet another test of uh, you know, whether intimidation can work as a tactic in South African negotiations. Okay, let's move on to our next story. And this is an old favorite for the show, the state of Prasa, the passenger rail service of South Africa. Prasa has released some figures showing how massively uh, the, number of, uh, the number of people taking trains uh, has fallen off over the past couple of years. It's dropped by 46 million passenger journeys in 13, which is quite a big amount. Um, even as recently as 2016, the city of Cape Town had around 700,000 trips on its, on its rail network a day. That has dropped to under 50,000 trips per day. Um, and the process CEO was saying that, they, that the, strike, the taxi strike really shows the need for alternative transport like effective rail services. But Sora, you know, for years, trains were mysteriously burned in the Western Cape over and over and over again. And the services were disrupted and we've had all sorts of nonsense going on with this. And now we sort of see Prasa going, how did it happen? How did we lose a lot of passengers? What do you make of this? Oh, no, no, this, this, is, this is wonderful. It, it, it's a bit like the uh, taking a leaf out of Sororama Poser's book. It happened. I wasn't involved and it, I'm not taking responsibility for it, but it happened. It was that, and the suspicions lie with the taxi industry trying to get people off trains uh, on the one hand, but not not proven, but or certainly not to my knowledge, it's not proven. Um, and also, I mean, it's like the numbers have dropped. No, Sherlock, um, you stopped providing trains. <laughs> you know, you, you, you ruined the infrastructure, you ruined the trains, there no, then almost no trains running. Yes, the numbers have dropped off. Um, it's like you know, it's like you've, you know, they're throwing the passengers out the windows. You know, it's, it's just I, yes. You know, like I, and the impact on ordinary people is really severe. I mean, I knew a guy who was uh, you know, really not not fully employed guy. He sometimes begged for money, um, and he was only able to get to places where he could get piecework because the train system was more affordable for him than taking a taxi. Well, but the trains in Johannesburg no longer work properly. No, I mean, as, as the as the, I think there was one comment in it that as, as Cape Town was very much a train city, and that, that particularly that line along the coast, uh, you know, significant for people to get to work. Um, so yeah, I don't know what Prasa is going to do, but it it had better do something, you know, with with vigor and courage. Well, I would encourage you to first start off by maybe looking at these public-private partnerships that it's already been looking at in places like uh, the case it in in the Northern Cape, but that it does so under you know a fair system where both parties will benefit. And in the long term, it looks at dropping the impediments to good service delivery, catered deployment, be uh, and, and and just political appointments in general. Um, all right, let's move on to our next story, and this is from. Business Unity SA and Business 4 SA, who are very concerned about the national health insurance 
policy that government is uh, so keenly pursuing of late. These business groups estimate um, or, or have called to attention government's estimate that it will need to raise an extra 200 billion rand in tax revenue in order to pay for the NHI. They say that this will require a rise of income tax by almost one third um, and increasing VAT from 15% to 21%, which is a huge increase. Um, or alternatively, they'll have to pay an increase of payroll taxes 10 times higher than the current UIF contribution, or maybe some sort of combination of these. Considering how heavily taxed South Africans already are, this seems like an absolutely disastrous outcome for our economy. Um, Sarah, do you think these high costs are actually going to stop government from recklessly pursuing NHI? Um it, they actually might, even though they sound very enthusiastic about, you know, going forward with the revolution, etc. Uh, because not only are, are these increases extraordinary um, in in a, in a in a in a in a economy that we're in now, you know, we all pay that. A whole lot of people will not withstand that sort of increase, and your tax base that, pay, that pays personal tax and even and company tax. Is, is is whittling away. So where the hell they are going to have the taxpayers to actually contribute this is anybody's guess. And 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 the tragedy of this is that, you know, the NHI is such a terrible idea, and just fixing things and running things properly and getting cardio deployment, which is the, the most evil of evils, out of the way, um, you probably don't have to spend a lot more money than you're spending now. And and that is. Quite a thought. I mean, the th it's actually defies. It, it actually defies. Um, it defies logic because as soon as you put money, look. Maybe maybe they should go ahead, and then we'll be absolutely sure that the ANC will not survive the next ele election after this. Unfortunately, I fear that the country might not survive the the consequences of that. <laughs> NHI is unique in being a. Uh, a, a, a policy which is not only going to be massively expensive, but also massively disastrous for the quality of services that it seeks to impact. Um, and I think that's definitely worth keeping in mind is there, there's really no upside unless, you know, we suddenly tomorrow get the Swiss civil service and its, uh, uh, and its commitment to honesty <laughs> and lack of corruption, I think. Don't uh, hold your breath. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's playing with, with fire here. All right, just before we finish off, uh, on a lighter note, uh, former ANC Secretary General um, Ace Mokashule has founded his own political party. It seems like his negotiations to join the EFF failed. He claims that he never changed his mind and was never going to join the EFF, despite saying that he was very openly considering it <laughs> but a few weeks ago, so clearly that went nowhere. Uh, although he is thinking about talking to the United Democratic Movement, Bantolomisa's party. Uh, okay. And uh, he says, you know, we've decided to not talk about the ANC. Yes, we are disgruntled because the ANC has sold out they are still good leaders in the ANC. So his party is the African Congress for Transformation. Mm. Uh, and I predict zero seats in Parliament. But who knows? Sara? Um, two things. One is I think Ace has to do it because I don't know what he's – he can't be – he's unemployable otherwise, so he needs a party. <laughs> the other is um, split a vote or two maybe. Could he? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, um, I hope that uh, – it goes nowhere because it deserves to go nowhere. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. And we hope that you all enjoyed the show. And uh, that's a wrap. <laughs>